Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. I tell you, I've been so excited to be home with everybody. I, um, I arrived home, I arrived in Sydney yesterday morning at uh, 7 a.m. and went straight to a women's conference in Sydney where women from all over Sydney came together. Uh, Pastor Lou sends her love, Barry and Joan, and um, pastors from Horizon Church, and, and just from all over Sydney and the region came together, and it was such an outstanding time as people were being healed and saved. We saw uh, 10 salvations, hallelujah, which was beautiful, hallelujah including two of the ladies who worked at the, had, uh, were working at the beauty bar that they had in the break. They gave their hearts to Jesus because all these women kept just overflowing and bubbling over with the message of the gospel. Uh, so that was just a, a joy and a privilege. And then I ministered for them this morning uh, in Cronulla and jumped on a plane and here I am. Hallelujah. It's so good. It's so good to be here with you. And I'm excited for what the Lord's got in store. We have, um, we've had a wonderful time in the US. Tom is still there. He gets home on Tuesday. Daniel gets home, I think I'll get, Daniel gets home Wednesday. Uh, Daniel's in New York this weekend. And he, tomorrow he's doing an interview with Eric Metaxas, which will be wonderful. And Tom's still in LA. Um, we have a responsibility to be at the HIM International Conference because Tom and I are part of the international apostolic team. And Daniel and Janice also last year were commissioned. So we're, that's one of the things we need to be at. But we were also at the GCN Network Conference in Atlanta, uh, which was glorious as all our pastors came together, Pastor Tony Thompson hosting that, and that was a, a joy and a delight. And then Daniel was all over the place down south, and we were up north and um, had the, uh, the opportunity to be um, at Daystar with Marcus and Joni uh, for the for their program promoting Speak Life, which was just a privilege, and then recorded a Joni Table Talk. I don't know if any of you have seen those. That comes out, I think it's August 17, that's coming out. So that was good fun. And then um, we were in Virginia Beach at the 700 Club with Gordon Robertson, who is always so wonderful to us, and uh, recorded several interviews there. Soon, uh, the day after those interviews aired, the book went to number one as a bestseller, hallelujah. So praise the Lord for that, for the privilege of being able to get the word out, of, to help equip people to really use their words. I love that word about Lodibar, coming out of a place where there's no word to start decreeing and declaring and speaking and creating with our words, hallelujah, which is so wonderful. And then, um, and we were also in Orlando with God TV and been remarkable connections there. And then in LA, we found out that um, Ward Simpson, who's the CEO of God TV, um, has also, is also a part of HIM over there and um, was really trying to connect with us as well. And God's got some great plans ahead for that. Um, just wonderful. So there's interviews with God TV coming up soon that we've recorded. So it's been a bit of a, a whirlwind, busy tour as we've seen God do wonderful things. But I've been watching, I, I wanna echo Pastor Daniel's comments about the, the youth breakout night, the youth and young adults. You guys were outrageously wonderful. And um, I know 
I think Matt's not able to be here tonight, but you are. Where are you? Oh, God bless you. You are wonderful. And Jane too. Where's Jane? Jane. Oh, so good. I watched them all and I'm like, this is so good, God. And I was so proud of you all. And also the way that you're just such empowering leaders. So I just really want to honor you. You did a wonderful, wonderful job and so, so proud of you. And uh, so we'll have to see more of that. Did you enjoy that? Hallelujah. Hey, listen, seriously, you need to be here next Sunday for Charles Stock. He is one of my most favorite preachers. Who's heard Charles before? If you haven't heard Charles, he is so wonderful. He's ministering this week with Heidi Baker, but he will be here for our Sunday service, and he is, he is so good. You, you'll be filled with delight as you drink deeply from what he brings. Hello, my friends. Good to see you all. I, I feel like I have to say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. Praise the Lord. Uh, it's so, so wonderful to be here with you. Let's pray, hey? Oh, Daddy, you are so good. Lord, we come to give you worship because you are the worthy one. Father, thank you that nothing is impossible for you. Father, I thank you that you're our anchor, our safe place. You are the one, Lord, that we can run into and know that you are for us, not against us. Lord, we love you. We give you praise. We give you glory. Today, I'm asking that you'd stretch forth your hand to heal and do signs and wonders and miracles in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, we, uh, I had the joy this week of receiving a, um, many, many testimonies about what the Lord has done. But one lady came running up to us uh, in Atlanta and she had a doctor's report because she'd received prayer the year before and she had multiple heart conditions, was going to require surgery and um, she just presented me with this unfurled piece of paper with her heart scans and the report that said, no intervention needed, normal, all normal, all normal. God had touched her and healed her. So praise the Lord for that. I love hearing, I love hearing these reports and we love it when people go back to their doctors and get the reports so we can celebrate together and say, look what the Lord has done because nothing's impossible for him, hey? Hallelujah. Well, I wanna share a few things with you today that have just been on my heart and I wanna encourage you. You and I were created for fellowship. For this reason, Christ endured the cross for the joy set before him. He went through it all because he had in mind a goal that you and I could freely fellowship with him, that you and I would no longer be separated by sin. We'd no longer be like Adam and Eve, hiding ourselves in shame in the garden because of sin, but he would come and take away our sin by becoming sin for us, hallelujah, that we could become new creations, that he would take away our crookedness that he'd take away our sin, he'd take away everything about us that was stained, give us freedom from guilt and shame and sin and fear so that we could boldly approach the throne of grace, so that we could walk with him. 
I was looking um, this week at a shorter version of the Westminster Catechism that was written in 1646 by um, English and Scottish theologians who were trying to grapple with the meaning of life. And they were trying to boil down scripture to try to get understanding of what is it all about. And they came up with this question, what is the chief end of man? In other words, what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of being alive? What's it all about? And as all these theologians came together and examined the scripture, they came up with this statement. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I thought, wow, that is so true. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And as I was just meditating on that through the week, I, you know me, I like to apply what we know because if we've just got knowledge without application, it just puffs us up. But, not, but God's not looking for puffed up know-it-alls. He's looking for people who walk out wisdom in application so that the world can see him, amen? So I hear this, to glorify God and enjoy him forever is our ultimate purpose. It is the pinnacle of human success, is to live a life that continually glorifies him and enjoys him forever. I just get so happy with this. So I began to think about it. What does it look like to daily, every day, glorify God in my everyday life? Well, I thought about it. I mean, there's, there's numerous ways we can bring him glory. We, but as we think about what it looks like to give him glory, I thought a little bit about what it looks like for, for children honoring their parents. And I thought about it in this way, that when, when our kids represent us well, in a way they're sort of giving glory to their parents. They're bringing honor, honor to their parents. For example, today, Emily had to play consul, uh, Tom's honorary consul for Finland, but he's away today and the ambassador was in town. And when the ambassador's in town, the, the consul has to accompany them um, and you know, go and hand out awards and do the things. And so Emily stood in for Tom today. But as she did that, which was beautiful, loving on the Finnish community, helping, uh, helping the ambassador, we had absolute confidence that she would represent Tom so well because we know what she's like. And she would have been, I know, I know what she would have, how she will have behaved herself because it's who she is and she will have represented what we value and what's important to us really, really well. In the same way, every day for us to glorify God begins with thinking about how can I represent God well? The scripture says, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, one of the commandments was not to take the Lord's name in vain. I, I grew up, you know, thinking and, and being taught, don't even say anything that sounds like you're using, don't even use a word in place of using his name in vain. You know, we, and we definitely don't want to use the name of the Lord in vain. It's the name by which we're saved. Hallelujah. But it's more than just um, using it, the name of the Lord uh, 
in conversation wrongly. A name in Hebrew means so much more than just a title. It's a representation of the very character and nature of the person. So a name in Hebrew actually is the essence of the person, is the way the Hebrews, Hebrew scholars would define it, in that a name represents a person's essence, their very character. And to, to take the name, the, the name of the Lord in vain, is actually to misrepresent his character. You are called Christians. You represent Christ. And if we, our lives, for our lives to glorify him, practically, as I was distilling what application of this thought looked like, to glorify God begins with my every day representing him well, that his very character would be seen through me who bears his name. Ephesians 3 tells us, as we begin to pray that beautiful apostolic prayer in Ephesians 3, it talks about the family from whom every family on earth is named, that God's name is upon us, and his, he, he gives us his name, he names us. And as we recognize this, that, oh, as someone that is a new creation in Christ, all things have passed away. As I've given my life to God and received the grace of God, received the salvation of Jesus, I've not only got a ticket to heaven, I've had the very nature of God brought in the, on the inside of me. I've had my old heart taken out and I've been given a new heart, the heart of God, and I've been joined to him that his name, his nature now is in me. I've been born again, not of the first Adam, but of the last Adam. Out of his side, they pierced his side and blood and water flowed. When, when Eve was created, woman was created, God split open the side of Adam and he brought Eve out. But for us as believers, we have been born again out of the side of Christ, the last Adam, who is the incorruptible one. And he's given us a brand new nature and a brand new DNA. Hallelujah. So we now have to wake up and remember who we actually are. Remember in the book of James, it tells us that if any man's a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's because he's like a man who looked at the, his natural face in the mirror and then walked away and forgot what he looked like. In order for us to glorify God in our everyday and be doers of the works of the one whose name we bear, we have to look in the mirror of his face and remember what we look like. What do we look like? Scripture says it's no longer we who live but Christ who lives in us tells us in 1 John 4 that as he is, so are we in this world. And if we remind ourselves of what we look like, 
then we are empowered to behave and live in such a way that we can intentionally, deliberately grab a hold of everything pertaining to life and godliness and glorify God in our everyday life. Which means God is love, love is patient, it's patience personified. So every time you get an opportunity to lose your patience or lose your temper or get frustrated, that is your opportunity to glorify God by manifesting the patience of Christ. To glorify God, it doesn't have to be great feats. It is a consistent bearing of his name in a way that does not dishonor him, but gives him glory. The Lord's looking for you and I to be the the aroma of Christ. To be people who in our everyday life don't just have great miracle testimonies, so they are awesome, but also have the testimony of an everyday today lived out life that represents him well. Hallelujah. How can I glorify God today? So I've been thinking about it as I've been going about my day. What does my life look like today to glorify God? Wow, God, it takes away the pressure of what am I supposed to do? Am I fulfilling the will of God for my life? What's my purpose? People come up to me all the time in conferences. Would you mind just praying for me? Sure, what do you need prayer for? I need direction. Uh, They ask me all the time and I love them. God bless them. But here's the direction. Here's your purpose. They wanna know what am I supposed to do with my life? Glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's it, that's it. And if you do that consistently, the Lord, will, he'll, you'll hear his voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. That your life doesn't lack meaning because you don't know the next thing that's gonna happen, but your life lacks meaning when you miss out on the true meaning and purpose of what you're alive for. And that is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, hallelujah. When you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these things are added, but this is a life well lived, that as you go home and someone cuts you off in traffic, you manifest the patience of Christ. It glorifies God. When something doesn't go your way and you manifest the patience of Christ, it gives him glory. But to enjoy him forever, oh, how wonderful. This is a magnificent commission. I mentioned a few weeks ago that I'd been looking at um, Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith, and it talks there about Enoch. That Enoch, by faith, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for the Lord took him. I've heard it said that, you know, one day they were out walking and the Lord just said, we're closer to my place than your place. You know, let's come back to my place. But it says, therefore, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So you look up Enoch in Genesis and say, what is this about this man that's listed in Hebrews as as pleasing God? What great feat did he do? 
It tells us that he was the son of someone, that he had, uh, in his 60s, he gave birth to Methuselah, and then he had other sons and daughters, and he habitually walked with God. That's it. And now he's listed as one of the great heroes of the faith. If you look in Hebrews 11, it goes straight on there to say, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because, and I look at what, what Enoch did. What he did was he habitually fellowshiped with the unseen God, believing that God wanted to and enjoyed his company. But he was commended for his faith because by faith, he walked with God. You and I, every day, have the opportunity for the greatest feat of faith, and that is to believe in God, to trust Him and believe that I can habitually walk with God, to believe that God is with you and that He wants to fellowship with you. Let's have a quick look at that in Hebrews 11, if you want to turn there with me. It's such a beautiful passage of scripture. Hebrews 11. It says here, <clears throat> verse five, and I'll read it um, here in the Amplified, because of faith, Enoch was caught up and transferred to heaven so that he did not have to have a glimpse of death and he was not found because God had translated him. For even before he was taken to heaven, he received testimony, still on record, that he had pleased and be satis been satisfactory to God. But without faith, it is impossible to please to, be, to please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come to God must believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him. We must believe that God exists. The faith that Enoch had was he believed that God existed and enjoyed his company. By faith, you and I are called to walk and enjoy the company of God and believe that he also enjoys your company. It takes faith to walk with the unseen God. People say, well, if I could just, if he could just appear and then maybe I could walk with him. But God's saying, I will, the faith that pleases me is that you would believe that I exist and that you would walk with me and talk with me. And this is the faith that pleases him. What does it look like to enjoy him forever? Well, it means coming to him in faith because we have to believe in the unseen God. God, I believe. And when you do that and you open your heart to believe in the unseen God, He delights to walk with you, to talk with you, to comfort you, to satisfy your soul with the richest affair. The Bible says that in His presence is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. And God is looking for us to enjoy His presence. The Bible talks a lot about um, 
oil and wine, and we've talked about this. But I, I think of the story of the, uh, the, the virgins, the 10 virgins, the five wise and the five foolish. The wise virgins, they kept the oil fresh so that the fire could keep burning. And then in Revelation, you can read how the Lord speaks to the church and says, I have this against you. You've lost your first love. Repent and do the things you did at first. Well, when I look at that, I realize this, this is what this is all about. God's saying, I want you to consistently fellowship with me so that I can keep you filled up with fresh fire that allows and empowers you not to have to do things out of obligation, but that would burn with a fresh, fiery love that enjoys my company. When you're in love, you enjoy that person's company. You wanna be with them. You miss them when you're not there. Tom's sending me love messages this morning because he's still in in LA, we miss each other when we're not there. And God says, I want you to live in a place of first love, which is consistently, I love being with you, I enjoy your company, and I go out of my way to take time to walk and talk and fellowship with you. That, that, that isn't something that he wants you to do because you have to, but he wants to provide for you the fire in your heart and your soul that, that makes it a, a beautiful dance with him, a beautiful overflow. So what happens is the more we come to him, the more he gives us to be able to burn with fresh fire and fresh passion to enjoy his company. I've been meditating again on um, Numbers 6. This morning as I was thinking about this, the, the word of the day was also out of Numbers 6, which is a beautiful, ironic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. I love that. This is like God himself wanting to pray for his people. He's not praying help them behave, let them do the right thing. He, he's actually, this is what his heart is, that to bless you, to keep you, surround you, protect you, to make his face shine on you and to be gracious to you, to lift up your countenance so that he can lift up his countenance upon you and to give you peace. When I look at that, a um, friend of mine, Warren Marcus, wrote a wonderful book on the ancient priestly prayer of blessing. He's a uh, Messianic Jew. And he looked into all the Hebrew of what all this means, and it's so beautiful. When you look at the word blessing, it's a, it's a picture of the Lord coming down to our level, making himself accessible to us and blessing us, giving us gifts the gift of salvation, the gift of Christ, hallelujah. And as we open our hearts and receive the gift, he says he wants to surround us, keep us, protect us, uh, encamp around about us. He wants to cover us with the feathers of his wings, hallelujah. He wants to protect you, he wants to embrace you. He wants to give you what your heart is longing for, that is acceptance and love and comfort. He wants to keep you. 
But then it says he wants to make his face shine on you. The unseen God, as you receive the gift that he gives you, the gift of Jesus, as you allow yourself to receive the gift of mercy and forgiveness and righteousness, God then says, I want more. I want you to see my eyes of love for you. Because when you see someone's eyes, the, you know, they say that their eyes are the window of the soul. You can tell what's going on when you look in someone's eyes. And God wants to make his face shine on you. You know, his delight, and this is the picture of it. Come here, Beck. I, I wanna show you, show you what this looks like. So the Lord comes and he says, the, the prayer of God is to bless us. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us a gift. So you receive the gift. And then he says, and I want to keep you, which is to surround you and embrace you and protect you. And then he says, and make my face shine on you. I want you to know. I want you to see Ooh. See, it becomes a bit too much, like uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> to the point where it's like, this is uncomfortable. I can't take anymore. And he says, pray for supernatural strength to be strengthened with might in your inner being so that you don't have to pull away and say enough, enough, enough. But you can actually receive love that casts out all your fear and transforms you. Hallelujah, that strengthens your heart. They, they say that, um, I, I, I read in Brother Yun's book, that when, um, when they were in prison and not allowed to talk to other believers, they would intentionally take time every day to have eye contact because they knew that they could strengthen each other if they could look in their eyes. God wants to give you strength by looking in your eyes and showing you that his love for you is so intense that it's more than you can physically, emotionally, spiritually handle, but he wants to give you supernatural power to be able to take it until it fills you with all the fullness of God, casts out all fear and empowers your faith to believe and remember, I'm a Christian. I bear the name of Christ. I'm not a weak human. I'm not a, a victim, but I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I am thoroughly loved and supernaturally empowered to overflow with this love to everyone I meet today. So enjoying God is not separate to glorifying Him. It is essential to be able to truly do it. You working for God without enjoying Him will be limited in your capacity to bring Him glory. True glory to God will be living a life of overflow out of having received daily the strength those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. He wants you to look into his face. I remember 
years ago, uh, the Lord was pouring out his spirit. People were laughing and doing all sorts of strange things and I did not know what to make of it. But I couldn't stay away from the strange meetings because something was like, oh, I need more. And so I'd go and for a long while judge everybody else for what they were doing. They're not taking it seriously. I'm seeking God. And they're all just carrying on. <laughs> Seek the Lord, sister, brother. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's patient, hey? Has mercy on us. And then one night, the Lord touched me so powerfully. I was on the floor and I turned my head and the Lord just gave me a vision of his face with his eyes looking at me. And his eyes were so, they were, there was not any trace of judgment in them. They were so full of love that I couldn't bear it. It was overwhelming. They were soft, soft eyes. Like when you look at someone that's, that's absolutely besotted in love and you look at each other and they're, they're so in love, they're like puppy dog eyes. That's how he looked at me. And I, I was undone. I'd heard the Lord loved me, but when I recognized his eyes, when I, when I was able to see his face, <sighs> now God's heart for you is that you would seek him because he wants to enlighten the eyes of your understanding in the knowledge of him. Though he is unseen with our physical eyes. He wants to give you supernatural, spiritual revelation by His Holy Spirit in the knowledge of who He is and what He's like that you might know and experience personally the fact that He loves you. Oh, how He loves you. This idea of His face shining on you is not some figurative thought. It's a reality that he wants to light your heart up with and strengthen you with every single day. <laughs> to make his face shine on us. This is the heart of God. And I wanna, I wanna dig deeper into this. But you know, my, my prayer for you is that you would know and experience the riches of this magnificent love that he has for you. That today you would walk in a way that, that is constantly aware, what is my purpose? What's my purpose today? Okay, my purpose isn't to get caught up in the dramas, to be worrying about what everybody else thinks, but my purpose today is to lock eyes with him, receive his supernatural strength, this strength that causes me be able, to be able to stand no matter what's coming against me, this this supernatural strength that makes my face shine. Now Stephen's face shone, it said, even as he was being stoned. Why? Because he'd locked eyes with the one who loved him. He was like, see, there he is. By faith, he looked to him and the eyes of his understanding were enlightened in the knowledge of him. And instead of being swayed by the things that were happening to him, he shone supernaturally with a spiritual strength. God wants that for you and I. In this world, we have trouble. But take heart, 
because he's overcome the world. And that stuff will become exceedingly irrelevant in comparison to the joy of enjoying him forever. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. There's good theology in that. When you look at him, when you seek first the kingdom, when you seek his face, he doesn't hide from you. He delights to enlighten the eyes of your understanding and the knowledge of him so that you can remember your purpose, the hope of your calling, which is to glorify him and enjoy him forever. Oh, hooray. Jesus, we love you. Lord, I thank you that you are our strength, that we, we need fear no evil, for you are with us. God is for us. Who can be against us? Hallelujah. Today, I really believe the Holy Spirit's wanting to encourage you to speak to your heart and steady your soul. It's so easy. Peter, when he was stepping out of the boat to walk on the water, did really well while his eyes were on Jesus. But as soon as he put his eyes on the waves, he was like, ah, this is scary, and he began to sink. There's some people here, you're feeling a bit wobbly. You're feeling a bit thrown about by the things and the circumstances and the people and the voices and the things and what they're thinking or saying or doing or the things that are happening and the circumstances and the pressures. And God says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Because as you look at his face, you'll realize, you're my anchor. You're my safe place. Mm. This is what I'm made for. This is all that matters. To enjoy him forever. To glorify him in my everyday life, language, and behavior out of an overflow of remembering, ah, as I look in the mirror of his face, the truth of who I am. I bear his name. I'm part of his family. This is my nature and character, and I will glorify him today in everything I do. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, I just pray for us as a people, Lord, that we would walk in habitual fellowship, in faith, believing that you exist, believing that you enjoy our company, and Lord, enjoying the favor of your face, looking, and I'm asking Holy Spirit, Lord, that, Father, that you would grant them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Lord, that it would so resonate in their hearts and that they would seek you and find you, that they would have faith to believe that every day you want to strengthen them with the favor of your face, that you want to make your face shine on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So
Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.